Father, I'm very grateful to be among the seed that never dies. Because of your grace and through the faith that you have given to us, I pray that each one of us would be emboldened today by the blessed and Holy Spirit to speak truth in the face of an antichrist world and all of its sorcery. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start off today's episode with the title. The title is The Seed That Never Dies, number 102, which brings us to our reading today in Acts chapter 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Here the person of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, had separated Barnabas and Saul. He called them. And he says, I have called them. A distinct person of the great God who is three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So not only does the Holy Ghost call the seed that never dies, the Holy Ghost sends the seed that never dies in verse 4, so that they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed from Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, there are men, godly men, who do a few things as they live out their faith, and that includes prayer, fasting, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's these men who will agree with the Holy Ghost in whom he calls and sends by laying on of the hands that we read about in verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So here we see that there is power in men who fast and pray. We see this in our psalm today in 102, 17 through 18. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. So men who fear God, they pray, they fast, they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and they praise the Lord. And that's exactly what we're here to do today. And God forbid if we fall short on any one of these areas. Now, if men refused the calling and the sending of a man, they do so because they fall short in one of these areas that we're speaking about and, and reading about. And what is the man to do at this point? The man of God who does pray, who does fast, who, who does seek to be filled with the Holy Ghost and praises the Lord. Well, this man, he goes on with full assurance knowing that he has been called and knowing that he has been sent by the Holy Ghost. And he goes forth to preach the gospel to all people, including the Antichrist Jews. Now, we're not called to hate the unbelieving Jews, just as we're not called to hate the Rainbow Coalition. We're called to preach the gospel to them. Now, sometimes uh, speaking this truth may come with some rather strong language, which we will see today in our reading. But sometimes it doesn't. The Holy Ghost must dictate this language in accordance with his word in accordance with the situation because we're not called to hate in Acts 13 5 and when they were at Salamis 
They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. So they went to preach the gospel to, to many who resisted them, who wanted them dead, who wanted them imprisoned and beheaded. Yet they went to the synagogues to preach the gospel to the Jews, knowing that some of those Jews would believe. Now, there are many false prophets, we know, even today, who are steeped in the sorcery of this world to include those who claim to be Jews. Many who are clearly of the synagogue of Satan that Jesus repeatedly warned us about. Twice in Revelation, Revelation 2.9, he says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. They're liars and they're sorcerers. So no wonder we read about one of these lying sorcerer Jews in our reading today in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, it's these same Jews, to include Bar-Jesus, that are found in high levels of government subverting politicians away from the faith. There's a video that I've shared a number of times that I'm going to share again today from a Jewish rabbi that agrees concerning this Jewish involvement in governments around the world. Listen to the clip. It all connects to the Jews. The Jews run the show in the world. You know, we have very small community compared to America. 300 million Americans, 5 million Jews. It's no comparison. But the Jews are everywhere. Politics. All the assistance of Trump, Jews. All the assistance of Sleepy Joe, Jews. Obama, Jews. Everyone around them. Reform Jews, conservative Jews. Chabadnik, this, Canver, it's all somehow. Same thing was in Spain, same thing was in many different countries. And just in case you did not understand this, Rabbi, I will repeat most of what he said. He said it all connects to the Jews. The Jews run the show in the world, he says. Even though we are a very small community compared to America, 300 million Americans and 5 million Jews, there is no comparison. But he says the Jews are everywhere. Politics. All the assistance of Trump. Jews. All the assistance of Sleepy Joe. Jews. Obama. Jews. It's all somehow the same thing was in Spain. And the same thing was in many different countries. So I hope that was a little bit more clear. But uh, this Jew Jewish rabbi agrees with the fact that, that Jews, even though a minority people somehow are able to reach the highest levels of government. We see this in Acts chapter 13 and verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. This Roman official wanted to know what was going on, what was the stir that was being made in his province concerning this so-called word of God. Yet this Jewish sorcerer, Bar-Jesus, who is also known as Elymas, 
which is the Arabic name for Bar-Jesus, he intervened. Now, Sergius Paulus was a Roman official. Now, according to an archaeological biography posted on Bible Archaeology, the website is BibleArchaeologyReport.com. And it says, it says that proconsuls were important men in the Roman Empire during the first century. Is there evidence of a prominent man named Sergius Paulus around this time, AD 45 through 50, who we might identify as the proconsul of Cyprus? Uh, this article states, indeed, there is multiple inscriptions naming a certain Sergius Paulus indicate that such a man was an official in the Roman Empire in the middle of the first century. And it's here that we understand and know by the reading today that there were certain Antichrist sorcerer, sorcerer Jews who had a influence in the Roman government. Verse 8, but Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. They infiltrated high levels of government to keep them from the truth of the gospel. Now, I'm not a Catholic, but I couldn't help but to notice the developing story as this head of persecution begins to rise in America. Shipwrecked Crew writes on Substack and says that on February 9th, the FBI retracted a published report by an FBI intelligence analyst in its Richmond field office dated January 23rd titled Interest of radically or ethnically motivated violent extremist and radical traditional Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities. He goes on, he says, there's a lot to unpack here, starting with the title, which suggests that government mitigation opportunities exist concerning one of the world's largest religious institutions. And E. Michael Jones had posted on this, naturally so, being a Catholic, he says under Merrick Garland, Catholics get prosecuted for being pro-life and Antifa does not get prosecuted for committing crimes. And he's responding to an article, justthenews.com, entitled FBI Wanted Sources Within Catholic Church to Look for Radicalization. So again, I'm not a Catholic, but this is an extremely dangerous slope. This is an extremely dangerous slope leading to the persecution of all Christians. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that the faith of Christian Americans will be tried. You will be found on one side or the other, the side of this Jewish sorcerer or the side of Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul, if you're found to be on his side, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he confronted this Jewish sorcerer who would no doubt sanction antichrist motivated investigations such as this being conducted by the FBI today and no doubt will be expanded and it's going to take bold men of God filled with the Holy Ghost to confront this sort of persecution and it only comes by faith that God has given us not the flesh you're not going to be able to once this stuff gets thick you're not going to be able to fight this off with the flesh. Not if God does not restrain it. Acts chapter 13 and verse 9. Then Saul, 
who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. He looked him straight in his face. Now, he could not physically beat the truth into this deceiver. And if he attacked this child of the devil, what would the government official think about the idea of Christ he was attempting to preach and teach? One of my all-time favorite quotes is from the movie Ben-Hur, 1959, where Masala replies to Sextus and says, You ask how to fight an idea, well, I'll tell you how. With another idea. They were having trouble with Jewish insurrection, and the Romans could not beat it physically out of them. So Masala says, How do you fight this idea that cannot be beat out of them? He says, You have to fight it with another idea. Now, there's a fine line that is reached when seeking to convey a truthful idea to another. And if you fall short on one side of the line, you will seem to be filled with hate. Yet if you fall short on the other side of the same line, you will seem to be filled with compromise. And this line is found to be so thin that it can only be transversed as the Lord holds our hand. We must continually hold the hand of the Lord. And in doing so, we are kept perfectly balanced. We will respond appropriately to any group of people, to any situation at any given time. Such as yesterday, I had a respectful exchange that did not reach the level of the language that we are going to look at in our reading today. And the language that Paul used was called for to address unrepentance that would have caused greater damage if not addressed in the manner that he addressed it. As for yesterday, I did not find a need for such a strong language as Substack notes uh, debuted, and it just seemed to be a atmosphere of respect across the board with people coming together with this new feature on Substack, and a lot of people were excited about it. Matter of fact, I'm extremely impressed myself. Now, one of the first notes that I noticed was from Luke Anti-Memetic, who responded to the CEO of Substack, Hamish, Hamish McKenzie. He says this, he says, I already feel like being slightly less snarky here, maybe even much less. Hamish replies, I don't think snark is going to be well rewarded by the subscription model. And I had to agree with this conversation and... The reason I do agree is because I came across another post on the Substack Notes after I had already jumped on the idea of subscribing to others. I had just subscribed to paid supporters of my work on Substack. But Parker Malloy says, I'm also subscribing to a whole bunch of your Substacks right now. Let's see what you all got. And I just simply said, ditto. I just subscribed to all of my paid income subscribers. Now, Parker Malloy decided to subscribe to my Substack freely as a free subscriber. And I don't get very many people flooding my 
subscriptions with free subscriptions, let alone thousands of paid subscribers that I learned Parker has. All I had to do was hover over the orange check mark next to her name to understand understand that. Now, clearly Parker has a community backing her. And, you know, this is just a side note. I, I find this interesting concerning that that most real real Christian work these days is is avoided like the plague. You can't even get Christians uh, to barely support it. Yet uh, Parker Malloy, who is a gay person, which is something that I also learned. I learned that she's married to another woman. She had posted a picture and says, this is my wife, Kayla, with a picture of her dogs. So yet she has thousands of people supporting her work and her agenda, her agenda and her ideology. <laughs> uh, anyways, now if I'm not sure if Parker surfed on my page for any length of time, but if you did surf my page, you will so- soon discover that I do not subscribe to the LGBTQIA+. I think I do got all of the characters. I do not subscribe to this lifestyle at all. Why? Because it's simply antithetical to my biblical beliefs. However, I had posted a Substack note that states that I am not a called to agree with every single image bearer of God, but I am called to respect and love every image bearer of God. Now, as for this truth that I subscribe to, it defends itself. All I have to do is speak this truth and preferably without hypocrisy. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be without hypocrisy. But I, but all we're called to do is speak this truth, antichrist sorcery or not, LGBTQIA plus mafia or not. We speak the truth. And yes, I said preferably without hypocrisy. And I say this, Christian. Because you might want to get rid of your gay porn before you rip on the gay community. And when you do get rid of your gay porn, I think to yesterday's exchange of respect is the way to address uh, these differences. Now, can it reach to a level of strong language, which we're going to look at today? Of course. But only the Spirit of God can dictate those terms. Because there are often there are other times where we must be ready to give a hope for the, the give an answer for the hope that's inside of us with meekness. Of course. And I learned this as my wife, while in college, passed out gospel literature, gospel literature. One day my wife was passing out literature on her college campus and she came across a group of LGBTQIA plus students. And she went to hand this group some of this literature. And one of the students spoke up and said, she is the only Christian who can give us this literature and we will take it because she truly loves us. All of this brings me back to that opening conversation between Luke and Hamish concerning snarky behavior on other platforms where we find behavior... And hate that involves way too much disrespect and trolling. It has nothing to do with standing for the truth that we're going to see from Paul here in a minute. It seems that 
writers understand if they want to be compensated for their work, being an a-hole towards others is not the way to achieve this goal. Because if I was snarky and disrespectful with Parker, needless to say, she would not have bothered to click on the free subscribe button on my Substack page. I'm a big proponent of respect. And I have found over the years that respect is a two-way street. And I found this street goes a very long way. And no, the respect spoken of here does not mean compromising on convictions either. We know that Matthew 5.44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Luke 6.27, But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Verse 35, But love your enemies and do good, and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Mark 12, 30-31 And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment, and the second is like, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So yes, I can vehemently disagree with you and not hate you at the same time. I find this to be amazing don't you as well this amazing difference is a response that can only be found within the filling of the holy ghost this filling is only found in the seed that never dies back to acts 13 and verse 10 and said "O fool of all subtility and all mischief thou child of the devil thou enemy of all righteousness Thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. So here we see the strong language that we talked about earlier. Now, in this confrontation that includes very strong descriptive language, such as full of subtility, mischief, child of devil, and enemy of all unrighteousness and perverters of the ways of the Lord, do we find any anti-Semitism in this language, after all, Paul is talking to a Jew. Is he being anti-Semitic? Well, the answer is simple. Absolutely not. How could he be? The men that were speaking to this Jewish antichrist sorcerer were of Jewish descent. Paul was a Jew. But because Paul was filled with the spirit of the living God, he was bold in his speech the Lord intervened and he disrupted the sorcery of the Antichrist Jew. And then what, hap- then what happened? The government official believed as Paul spoke truth to power. Power that could put him in prison. Power that could kill him. He spoke truth anyways. And this Roman, no doubt a hard man, as the Roman way was hard, I am sure. He respected the stance of Paul as he stood up against this sorcerer Jewish man. And this government official then believed. The physical eyes of this Antichrist Jew were closed. And the spiritual eyes of the Gentile deputy proconsul were opened. Verse 12. 
Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. He wasn't swayed by the doctrine of devils. The deputy embraced the fear of God versus fearing the Antichrist Jewish sorcerer. Stoic Christian had posted in Substack notes today. He quotes Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1 that states, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. It's here that they were brought to the fine line. Not to the short side of the left or the short side of the, of the right. Stoic Christian then says, The enemy fears your God and will fear you when you are on, on God's side. Fill yourself with God's word. Feed your spirit and put on the full armor of God. So here we see that Stoic Christian knows about this fine line where the seed never dies and where men are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is here we see Roman officials become part of the Israel of God, the church, because of the boldness of men who fear God and sought to be used by him. Verse 23, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Unto Israel. It is we, the Israel of God, the church, who are marching to Zion. As we read in our psalm today, 102.13, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. None of which is to be confused with the state of Israel, those who call themselves Jews outside of Christ. They've been given the gospel throughout history. And only a remnant of the state of Israel has repented and believed by faith. The remainder of Israel has only sought to turn the people away from this faith ever since, with laws even being introduced today that would put Christians in prison for preaching the gospel. After all, did they not imprison John the Baptist and then had him beheaded for doing exactly that, preaching the gospel? Acts 13, 23. For when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. They've been hearing repentance and the gospel for a very long time. Yet they continue to want to subvert this very same gospel. The, there's an article from the Times of Israel .com that talks about the Christian Zionists be deviled by anti-missionary bill. And in this article, it says a bill making religious proselytization punishable by jail time induced alarm among Christian Zionists in Israel and around the world. Despite assurances by government officials that it would not become a law, the proposal submitted by United Torah's Judaism's Mashi Gaffney and Yaakov Asher claims that missionary groups, mainly Christians, have stepped up efforts to convert people in Israel. The language of the bill would make soliciting an adult to change his faith punishable by one year in jail. The penalty would increase to two years if the individual being solicited was a minor. So it's here that we see that the Antichrist Jews continue to reject 
the gift of God called faith through Jesus Christ. And they continue to seek to even imprison the men of God and no doubt are cheering for their deaths. Let me ask you a question as we read verse 21 through 22 of Psalm 102. Does declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Does it look like we're seeing this in the current state of Antichrist Israel? Absolutely does not. We know that. We see it. It's clear. But we do see them continually falsely accuse and suggest legislation such as that we have read today as they defame the people of Jesus Christ. Verse 28, Acts chapter 13, And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should, that he should be slain. They leverage their government positions and they continue to try to lobby against the Christian with no cause. Nevertheless, what does God do in it, who is rich in his grace and mercy? He sends preachers to them to preach the gospel. Verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. None of this is to be confused with those who quote those who preach the gospel for personal name and fame. They can care less about your sins being forgiven. All they can care about is how much you can fill their pocket. We see this in Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 16. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth, not whom they preached, but whom Paul preached. And there were seven sons, one of Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this brings me to a question that came from Faith Endures, which is, a username on Gab and a supporter of Gospel, and she writes in and says, Tonight I got talked into going with some family members to see the infomercial-style documentary come out in the name of Jesus. She says, We got in a few minutes late, but in under five minutes, I was unnerved by what I was hearing. I wish I could have kept track of the doctoral, doctrinal inaccuracies. Watching the Benny Hinn style casting out demons was surreal. While I do believe demons are real, I do not believe demons indwell who are those who are truly born again. And she said, this is why I'm messaging you. I like your input. I believe that if you are truly indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you cannot also be indwelt with the demon or demons. God would not share his holy temple with demons. Further, I would submit that God promises that if we are his, we are sealed unto the day. And while demons may besiege us from without, they cannot indwell us. That said, there are many who profess to be Christian, but who are not, or not yet. Can they be indwelt with demons? I think so. Does that make them beyond salvation? Nope, she says. The point posited in the documentary is that these demons indwell people that are Christians, a position I take issue with doctrinally. 
watching these men drive out demons on stage with a pomp and reminiscent of Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland made me made my skin crawl. Are we witnessing here a new turning in this bizarre cycle we are in? A new warping of the church leading souls astray? I don't know, but hearing your perspective would mean a lot to me. Thank you and may the Lord keep you and your family safe in these days. She closes. Now I'll respond to this with the title of today's episode. Those who are of the seed that never dies... Those who are filled with the Holy Ghost, such as Paul, are not subject to demon possession. Very much in agreement with what Faith Endures has said. This is impossible. The demons cannot possess a person who is possessed by the Holy Ghost. However, when we are not Filled with the Holy Ghost. We grieve the Holy Ghost through one confession. We can be influenced by demon doctrine, which is not possession. Because those who are possessed flee from those who are filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's why we read in the book of James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say he's going to possess you. Uh, It says he's going to flee from you. Now, believers who are influenced, they're unable to be possessed by the demonic. Those who are influenced by the demonic will repent. Why? Because there's nowhere else to run but Jesus Christ. And the demons know us by name. And believe me, they're not welcoming us into their homes. Because we have the Spirit of God within us by His grace, filled or not. He still will never leave us, nor will He forsake us, just as faith endures, has said. We are sealed unto the day of redemption. But as for the Antichrist, not so much. They are very much welcome in the demonic homes to do their bidding. And that includes rejecting the forgiveness and grace of God while they continually contradict, blaspheme, and do their utmost to prevent the masses from hearing the truth. Verse 45, Acts 13, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And And this is the reason why Paul had to respond with the language he did towards the Jewish sorcerer. The one that contradicted and blasphemed Almighty God. And he did so with a bold response. Paul and Barnabas. Verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And now you know why we have so many Gentile churches today verse 48 when the gentiles heard this they were glad and glorified the word of the lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life believe including the proconsul the roman official that we talked about today and this the Antichrist Jews continue to resist today as they leverage and lobby governments to legislate evil Instead of the truth. Truth such as what is a woman? 
What is a woman? I can't even believe this question is being asked today. If you want to know what a woman is, we read about it in today's reading in Leviticus 12.2. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child. A woman is a human being who can conceive seed and bear a child. Good thing Mary was not a victim of this demonic gender dysphoria of our day. Otherwise, perhaps Isaiah 7.14 would not have been mentioned as being fulfilled in the book of Matthew. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a woman. And in Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This virgin birth is one of the fundamental doctrines of our faith. And they don't want us believing that God is with us, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So what do they do? They, they attack womanhood which goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And then you wonder why there's such an attack on womanhood today. And unless God intervenes within all of this mess, and to include these antichrist governments that have been subverted by sorcerers, All we can do is shake the dust off our feet knowing that this Antichrist heel remains for God's judgment to rain down upon an unrepentant people. And if God is judging a nation, my Christian friend, you're not going to be able to physically rise up and resist this. All you're going to be able to do at that point is to to shake the dust off your feet. Acts 13, 51, but they shook off the dust off their feet against them. And came unto Iconium. And it's here that regardless that you and I will find joy. Joy is found in the boldness of the Holy Ghost that speaks truth to evil powers. Acts 13.52 And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Brother in Christ, Stoic Christian, he reached out with an idea yesterday as we were interacting on Telegram and Substack Notes, and he wanted to do a writing collaboration that addresses the question, how does the people that surround us affect our spiritual growth? And I believe that I can answer this question based on what has been spoken today in today's episode, and I believe that I can do so with the utmost simplicity, and that is to be surrounded by the people that the Holy Ghost leads you to be surrounded by. Now, why is this important? Well, it's because it's where joy is found. Joy is no doubt a direct result of spiritual growth. And no, my friends, joy does not always result from being immersed in happy conditions because we know that joy can come from suffering as well. We see this throughout Scripture. And in Colossians 1.24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. 
Now this question can be further answered in the fact that we must consider who surrounded Jesus. Who did Jesus allow himself to be surrounded by? We know that he was surrounded by sinners, the disciples, politicians, the military, the religious Pharisees, to include the Antichrist sorcerer Jews. But no matter who the Lord was surrounded by, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And as God, he had the wisdom and knowledge to know how to address all who surrounded him appropriately. He didn't fall to the left. He didn't fall to the right. He responded to them right on target, right on that fine line. And without the example of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will fail every single time. And how we respond to these groups of people, no matter how many of them surround us, no matter how evil they are, no matter how long they're around us. Therefore, our spiritual growth is hindered when we are not filled with the Spirit of God, period. This is when we respond in the flesh, which always falls short, which will always be the wrong response because we know that we're called to respond by the Spirit of the living God. Psalm 102:28, The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. It is in this seed, my friends, that is filled with the Holy Ghost that will never die. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.